Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, today we're talking with author Melanie Schenkel. She is a longtime blogger. She is the blogger at Big Mama. Um, one of my old school favorites. She is really hilarious. She's the author of multiple books and her newest is called On the Bright Side. She and I are talking about raising teenagers and finding our own sense of self as mothers, especially as our kids are getting older and launching into the world and about being in that weird middle place of life. In this episode, BJ is also talking to us about how to manage people in our lives who have done things that are really hurtful and how to negotiate relationships with people that we know could do better, but maybe carrying around some childhood wounds. Claire is also giving us some advice on how and when to use that hydrating mist. But first, I'm going to do a check-in with Rue. Rue, how is your self-care? Um, I have been sweatier than usual. Mm, okay. Um, okay, so, and this is all very very tentative. So no one get excited. I'm not allowing myself to get excited. But, um, you know, the work that I've done about uh, that highlights the ubiquity of child predation and this video that I was in and some uh, talks that I've done about this 
uh, got the attention of a TV production company. Yes. That has produced TV shows for, you know, like Discovery and A&E and Bravo and uh, Oprah's network. Um, Anyway, I have been just working with them, knowing that any sort of TV show would be a pipe dream. But they are pitching like a mini docuseries around the work that I've done and do a little bit like a modern to catch a predator, but not as cheesy and not at all vigilante-esque, you know? Yeah. And so I have been, uh, you know, they do like the first round and, you know, people are like, eh, I'm into it or no, I'm not into it. And I haven't been allowing myself to get too invested in it because, you know, this stuff, whatever, like this stuff falls through all the time. It does. Yeah. But still... But still, so I had uh, I had a call with like a one of the big ones, like one of the big TV networks, and they seemed to like the idea a lot. So we, you know, went so far as to talk about what episodes might look like, and everything is really tenuous right now because of uh, things with COVID anyway. But it's kind of exciting and nerve wracking, and at the same time, I don't want to think about it too much. But also, wouldn't it be neat to educate more people? But also, television. You know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. went through. I'm going through all of the, all of the emotions uh, where I'm like, oh, this is cool. This will be fine. And then like, ah, oh. Um, anyway, so that's I, that's been top of mind this week, and I have been just sort of going through the emotions of I don't know. This could be a cool thing, but I want to play it cool because I also don't want to get my heart broken. Totally. I, mean, I really hope that ho- happens. I mean, I ho- hope it happens for you, but also because. I think this would be a really important show. Yes, I and that's what it comes down to. Like people have asked me, you know, do you think that um, you're like showing you're you're gonna scare predators and they're going to, you know, um, you won't be able to catch them? And I'm like, well, first of all, there's never gonna be a shortage, and second of all, if they're scared to commit crimes and they stop committing crimes, great. Uh, but third, I think that uh, widespread knowledge is the first line of defense against child predation and, um, you know, internet crimes against children anyway. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, you know, in the same vein, it's like that's why people are fighting back against racism right now because we are being told more stories and we're being given more information and we're seeing more footage. And I feel like it's the same thing with this. It's like the more educated people are, the more they know, the more they're going to push back. Right. And I really think that before December, when I wrote that piece, um, people really did not know. And so, you know, I had written that piece under a pseudonym and I saw it just getting, you know, people I know sharing it and just being completely shocked at what happens online. And then same when the video came out. So I feel like, you know, this is something where we could all stand to use more education in order to help protect kids because you and I didn't have to deal with this when we were younger. We had to deal with other weird stuff, but certainly not someone reaching out to us on Instagram and asking for news. Anyway, so that's what I'm going through right now. That's Um, exciting. Keep us posted. Yeah. Well, how about you? How's your self-care? It's going pretty good. I feel like... um, you know, it's, we're in this weird space, right? Where it's like, some people feel like the company's, the, the, the country's back open, like, you know, quarantine is over. And then some of us feel like, no, I think I'm still kind of in lockdown. And then like trying to find like what that healthy middle ground is, right? Between like, okay, you know, we, we were all locked in our houses for a while. Um, and, and maybe some more than others, but like, what is, what does healthy look like for me right now? What does mm-hmm. risk reduction look like for me right now? So I've been trying to get out of the house more. Um, we've been doing some like distanced um, get togethers with friends, you know, just outside. I feel like that is kind of where I feel comfortable being outside with everyone in a seat where we've kind of marked off where our seats are. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of planted, like our butts are planted. Right. So we're not having to think about the distancing. Um, trying to get out. And go to like our um, town is doing some outdoor concerts where you pull your cars up. Oh, and, that's cool! And it's really cool. Like they've really th- put a lot of thought into it. So you pull your car up, and everyone's allowed to roll down their their left side windows so that you're not breathing air with the car next to you. Um, so yeah, we're we're just you know trying to find 
some new rhythms um, that are still safe, that are still, you know, we definitely still, you know, in my family because of the health, underlying health issues involved are, you know, wanting to be very careful, but, but trying to find ways to still like, you know, live some life in, in the midst of that. So right, that feels right. good. I feel more positive about that. Good, good. Yeah, it's amazing how, how just like one small sense of like one small little bit of normalcy just kind of right I don't know puts a little life back into it you does. Um, it really does my friend got takeout from uh, our favorite restaurant because we usually would meet there and get you know dinner and drinks and uh, I have a, a big backyard and we put picnic picnic blankets like 15 feet apart from each other and had separate bags of food and just sat there and ate and uh, it was surprisingly so nice it's just what I needed, you know, so I really, I really enjoyed that. I hope, I hope we get to do more of that as time goes on. Yeah, totally. Having trouble sleeping? Our new sponsor, Apollo, is here for you. Developed by physicians and neuroscientists, Apollo is a wearable device that helps you relax, fall asleep, and sleep more deeply. Apollo's gentle vibrations are clinically proven to increase heart rate variability, which is a key biometric of your body's resilience to stress. Apollo trains your nervous system to go from fight or flight to rest and digest more quickly, so you can focus, sleep, and be more productive day and night. The Apollo app features seven goal-based modes that help you choose how you want to feel, including sleep, relax, focus, wake up, and more. Apollo is a natural, easy way to stay energized and focused throughout the day and help you unwind to get the restful sleep you need. Learn why thousands of people already use Apollo to improve their sleep. We have a special offer for our selfie community. Try Apollo today and get 15% off your purchase at apolloneuro.com slash selfie. That's apolloneuro.com slash selfie. Do you have some two thumbs up for this week? I do. Um, Okay. I wanted to suggest one is a um, shampoo bar. So I have recommended a different shampoo bar that I still like. I still like the one I recommended previously, which was, it's a weird name on Amazon. It's like, sweet and sassy shampoo bar, which (laughs) I almost didn't buy just for the name. But I found a different one that I really like that is for sale on Amazon, but they also have it at Target. And it's the Love Beauty and Planet brand. Have you seen that brand? Oh, yeah. It's pretty packaging. Yeah, it's cute packaging. And they have like cleaning products and stuff like that. But they have a shampoo bar. Um, This one is in the shape of a heart, which is very cute. Um, And it's rose scented and it's for color treated hair. And it works really nicely. I I really actually prefer a shampoo bar now. It's a learning Mm. curve, but I actually really like it now. Um, I feel like it's just so much less packaging. I feel like it lasts forever. I feel like I can get a really good lather out of it. And my girls are liking that one too. So yeah. Do you do you like keep it in a tin? Like uh, that's been my problem with shampoo bars is do you like where do you how do you dry it out and then use it next time? Yes, and that is definitely an issue with shampoo bars. So what I have is I have one of those like racks that hangs over the shower rock the um the, the spout thing. The spout. Yes, there we go. The spout or the faucet or what have you. You know, one of those racks like that you can buy at Target. Right. And you can set the soap there and it it's um like mesh so the soap can kind of dry out in between uses but if you didn't have something like that there's this thing called a soap keeper that you can buy on amazon and i'll link up to that too that looks like a sponge or almost like a loofah but it kind of again keeps the soap dry because otherwise they do get gummy if you just have it on a flat surface right cool and then the other thing i want to recommend well it's actually a whole series of books so There is this series of therapeutic books on Amazon um, for all different issues for teens. And so one of my kids has ADD and I just got that kid this, it's called the Executive Functioning Workbook for Teens. And it's just a workbook that they go through. So it's almost like they can do therapy on their own. They have one for anxiety. They have it for depression. They have it for self-esteem. It's just a really good line. And, you know, my background in therapy, I love the idea of, you know, giving kids tools that they can learn now when they're young. Um, so yeah, I'm really liking all of those books. Yeah, I want to I want to check those out. They yeah. kind of remind me of like the older version of those American Girl books. Yes, that was that were like, Oh, how to the care you know, be a good friend. You. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. What do you got? 
Well, I am, you know, as a career-long writer, I love a good notebook and I love a good pen. Mm-hmm. But I've also been really into trying to do things that are good for my mental health, like staying grounded. And we've been talking a lot about this in the Facebook group. And so there's a company that I love. I love their notebooks. I love their dot grid notebooks. Their notebooks are my absolute favorite. Um, and they have this really beautiful little notebook and it's just called what is it called it's just called trace Hmm. and it has these illustrations in them and they're kind of like in light orange and all you do is trace them and i know that sounds ridiculous but hear me out imagine picture this you're sitting (laughs) in a quiet room it's nighttime you have a hot cup of whatever you have a candle lit and you have some uh soothing music going and you're just tracing they're called like meditative tracing heck yeah i'm buying this it is so soothing but i also recommend any of their other notebooks they've got this and they've got some like uh really nice different like limited editions to you know you and i both love new york city i bought their three pack of their uh, new york city books especially because i'm kind of missing the city right now um because it looks so empty whenever I see videos of it. Totally. Um, and just and just other notebooks as well. I like all their notebooks. You can't go wrong with any of their notebooks. Um, so that has been bringing me some joy. Also, I am a big tea drinker. And generally, I drink like crappy three cents a bag tea. Mm-hmm. However, when I really want to treat myself, Stephen Smith tea <gasps> yes. is beautiful. First I... of all, it comes... Love that tea. Yes, it comes in a beautiful box. And then each tea bag, it's like this beautiful, like smooth, glossy packet. And the packaging is just so lovely. And well, it, let's it just be looks- honest, you bought it because of the fonts. All right. First of all, you didn't have to read me like that. Well, because Second I did the all. exact same thing. <laughs> I did the literal exact same thing. I knew nothing about this tea. I saw it in some boutique grocery store and I was like, well, that tea looks really good. <laughs> I didn't even read the description. It's so, it's so, I mean, honestly, if you put that tea bag next to like a Lipton tea, the Lipton tea just looks like a sad peasant, you know? And I don't, it's not for every day because it's a little pricey. It comes out to like, I don't know, 85 cents a tea bag, which I think is a lot. It is a lot. If you make it as part of like a sensory experience, it is lovely and you can get like the you know assorted collection or um you can just pick whatever flavor that you like best but really just really beautiful packaging really mm-hmm. lovely tea uh even like the little sachets are nice i don't know i'm, I'm a big I, I just think it's so nice so if you're looking for a little treat or a li- nice little gift to share with someone i think their teas are so lovely i do too and they have good decaf options because i'm you know off caffeine womp womp um are you really i am yeah and they have really good um i like their red nectar a lot Mm. and then i like their meadow and they're both caffeine free i like their green tea and um yeah i like their green tea i like any of their lord and lady teas they've got a little bit of a a british (laughs) thing going on there too Um, i forgot that you and i are both like massive tea nerds we need to do a whole tea episode we we should i uh I, and I used to never drink coffee. And I yeah. re- in recent years, I've been drinking coffee. But a friend of mine for my birthday, she got me this beautiful mug. And I love mugs. And I'm opening it. And in this beautiful, beautiful font, it just says, tea is for losers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I make sure to drink tea out of it because it just... That's amazing. Up. I love yeah. that. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. 
Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines, decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. sharing a part of a conversation I had with author Melanie Shankel. If you are not familiar with Melanie, she is a longtime blogger at the blog Big Mama. She is hilarious, truly one of my favorite bloggers. Um, And she has a new book. She is a multiple book author, but she has a new book called On the Bright Side, Stories About Friendship, Love, and Being True to Yourself. Melanie and I are chatting about Um, parenting teenagers and being in that weird middle space of life. And she's also giving us some of her best self-care tips. Do you ever have that experience of like seeing someone else and being like, am I that age? Am I their age? And then you're like, I am that age. I am their age. I am their age. And like, and it feels so different. Like I'm older, like my mom had me when she was 24 and I didn't have Caroline until she was 32. So like I'm, I'm older than my mom was. So it's really humbling when I look back and think, oh, my parents were like in their early forties when they sent me to college, you know, like, and I thought they were ancient. Totally. I'll be I'll, I'll turn 50. Like I'll send Caroline off to mm-hmm. college and turn 50 all in the same, same week, which mm-hmm. is um, going to be a week that I'm going to need to get away. I mean, I'm going to need some sort of therapy, but right. Yeah. But it is, you look and you're like, well, I'm not that old. And then you're like, oh no, I am that old. Well, I had this weird experience where I watched the bachelor. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. and me too. No shame. And I'm watching it. And I realized like, 
I'm the same age as some of these people's parents. Like when they do the hometown week, I'm like, I'm the age of the parents of the contestants. Yes. 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 And it's so weird. Yeah. Like, because I think the thing is, and I've always known this, and I remember my grandmother telling me this, is you really don't ever feel any different because you're still you. Yeah. And so I keep thinking like by this age, I was going to be so much like smarter or wiser or have so many more answers. And I'm like, and I don't, and that's so disappointing. Like I, thought, I know, like I'm still just a mess and insecure. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. wait, you know what I'm, I'm waiting for? That thing everyone talks about where you like, you just stop caring. I'm waiting for that. Yeah. That sounds yeah. liberating. Yeah. But I still I know. care. And it's, no, I know. And I'm like, and maybe it's kind of good. I mean, you need to care a little, you know, I'm like, I'm like, it's a slippery uh-huh. slope. I think if you get to where, I don't know, it's what keeps me trying to use face products and trying to do something about Well, I have fully told my children if I end up in assisted living that they are there <laughs> weekly doing my eyebrows and chin hair. Yeah. Like, listen, yes. no one, like if I can't do it myself, no yeah. one let it go. <laughs> No, do not. I mean, that's, and I feel like during this like quarantine time, like I've done so much, like I did a whole like quarantine face peel and like I had to tell Perry and Caroline that I was like, do not mock me. Like my whole face is going to peel off and shed like a snake. This is what I need to do. It's where I am. And this is a good time to do it. And now I bought this like led, like red light that's supposed (gasps) to help with wrinkles. Yes. And so I hold it, but it's like a wand. So I sit (laughs) at night and it's just (laughs) And they just look at me and I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, just I'm trying. Yeah. This is what yeah. I, she's like, mom, you look ridiculous. And I'm like, well, when I was 16 and had your skin, I didn't have to do this, but now no. I do. So I just did before quarantine, I did a vampire facial, which oh, is those where look intense. It was disgusting. Yeah. You, it was like micro, micro, micro needling. Yeah. And they put needles all around your face and then they take your blood plasma out and put it back on your face. (laughs) Listen, I do a a self-care podcast Mm -hmm. and 50% of my motivation is like, I'm just going to try a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. You have to. So do you think it's it's research? Yeah, it is research. Did you feel better after the vampire face? Yes. I felt better for like a month like my my uh-huh. skin felt amazing but then it went back yeah and yeah. i just can't i can't maintain vampire facials like no. i don't have that lifestyle no that's i mean just thing. finding the time to do that in and of itself was like moving a mountain yeah that's it is it's just because now i'm like my skincare regimen i swear is like 12 different steps morning and night and i'm like this is intense so, you know, and there's yeah. days cause I've got like the new face thing. So I'm doing the micro shock mm-hmm. and then I've got my light that I'm doing and I'm my scrub <laughs> and the whole, and I'm like, it feels like I compared it to, I'm like, it feels like I'm fighting at the Alamo is how it feels. I know. Like it I'm does. Just, I'm outnumbered. I, I, I'm never going to survive it. And, I'm just and, holding on by a string. I'm still here. <laughs> and what am I going to do? So, oh gosh. Well, I, I, I mean, you have to, dipped your toes in the water of hair blogging at this point. I, I mean, did. You're, you're practically a hair blogger. I, I mean, I really am. I yeah. really am. I feel like they're very professional. If you watch them, <laughs> it's, it's almost like I'm a fashion blogger. Um, no, this is the other humbling thing I think about when you have a book coming out is like, I was really, you know, you're trying to be on Instagram more and you're mm-hmm. trying to engage with your audience and yes. you want people to know about your book and yes. nobody really blogs anymore. So you're like, I'm on Instagram. And so I'm like, doing all these like Instagram stories, like my book's coming out. And like, basically people were like, we don't care. How do you do your hair? And I was like, okay, that feels right. And so I did a (laughs) hair tutorial and I'm going to tell you that thing has been viewed, um, which today you may be like, why did she do a hair tutorial? But there were times that my hair looked good. And so I did it and I showed people like, this is how I get these waves and whatever. That thing has been viewed like four times as many times as anything I've said about my book. Oh, I watched it in full. Take and took notes. Thank you, Chris. I did. I was like, what, 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 what is she doing? No. <laughs> like, then I'd had like a messy bun one day where it was really, I yes! literally just thrown it up and people were like, oh my gosh, how do you do your bun? And I'm like, hey, y'all remember I have a book. Mm-hmm. Does anybody, anybody interested in buying my life? Give work? the people what they want. <laughs> That's it. Like, I get You're that. an experienced I author. <laughs> 
with much to say. Yeah. They just want to know about your hair. Yeah. It's just, but you know what? what matters. I would really take that as a compliment. I, well, that's not, I mean, I, you know what? I think you're doing something right. I think you are a cool mom. If people well, want to know how you do your hair. I'm trying. I mean, you know, Caroline, nobody's more thrilled than your teenager when you get on your Instagram <laughs> stories to show everybody how you do your hair. That's what do everybody you, really wants. Do you have friends of your daughter following you on your platforms? I do. Yeah, that's do. weird, right? Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, and they, uh-huh. they're they mortified. I mean, yeah. I've even offered, I'm like, I'll go through and block them all. I don't know. Yeah. It's but awkward. It's such a weird. Yeah. And you're kind of like, and I'm always, I think about that. And like, now I ask Caroline and I have for years, or like before I post anything about her, yeah. I'm like, are you good with this? Like, yeah. are you okay with this? Because the thing is too, like you have multiple kids, but for her, I can't just be like a child who will remain unnamed. She's yes. my only child. So I'm like, you're yes. just, you're in it. Like everybody knows who I'm talking about. Yep. Um, but I do think about that every time I go to post something, I'm like, okay, her friends are going to see this and the people that she goes to school with are going to see this and her teachers are going to see this. So it makes you careful, which is probably good because if I didn't have that, I would have zero filter at all. Like, I think I would just, I would almost be prone to like tell everything if I didn't think people I actually knew and communicated with in real life were watching. Well, it's funny because, you know, I don't know if you felt like this when you were, you know, when we were more blogging, but it was like, obviously I wanted people to read my blog, but I didn't want people I knew to read my blog. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Yeah. I wanted like, anonymous people to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not, but not like other moms at school. That's the whole thing. And I felt like I was able to get it. Cause when did you start blogging? When did you, cause you were early. Yeah. 2000, 2007. I think. Okay. So I was like 2006 ish, like yeah. end of 2006. And that's why, I mean, I called it big mama, which has followed me, but it was because Caroline was not even three. Yeah. And so, you know, when you start it and your kids are that little, you can tell everything. Yeah. Right. And I didn't use my name. I mean, you know, cause that's, yeah. it was like super scary. So like yeah. you didn't use your real name. You didn't know totally. identifying details and all that stuff. But then when the book, I remember when my first book, I think came out in 2012, then you got to give it up kept saying like, you've got to, yeah. you, you need your real name on everything. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was not prepared for that. Yeah. You know? It's weird. It is weird. And it's been an interesting journey because I feel like you know, when kids are little and you're talking about diaper blowouts or toddler mm-hmm. tantrums, those are universal. Every child will experience that. And so when you're yeah. talking about your child in, in those scenarios, it doesn't feel like you're revealing a lot about your child in specific. Yes. Yes. They're universal. Mm-hmm. But then as like they become teenagers, things are really personal. Yeah. And yeah. then it feels like I just really felt like I really have to guard stuff now. And I feel like I shifted from talking as much about my own kid and experiences with my children and kind of shifted into like more talking about my experience as a mom, as opposed Mm -hmm. to what was happening with them. Yeah. And and I think that's, and to me, that's only fair because it's yeah. like it becomes their life and their stories. And, um, and so it's like now, and I think that's why so many of us, like, I mean, for me, I really quit blogging just because, yeah. I mean, I still do this fashion Friday thing, but like for by and large, I'm like, my day to day is most of it is either way too boring because I have a teenager who's on her own all the time, or it's too personal. Like we can't yeah. talk about it. And I, it's stuff like I keep notes. Cause I'm like, to me, it'll be stuff that I can write about later. Right. But I can't right. write about it while we're in the middle of it. I feel that so, too. Yeah. It's I like absolutely you have to let them too. get yeah. through all their teen angst and yes. all their stuff while they're dealing with it. I agree. And then it's funny. Cause then it's like, you kind of have to like with my book and this was my first book. So I hadn't had that experience yet. Like talk, kind of talking through, the whole book with my kids. Like, are you guys okay if I say yeah. this or are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. That was a weird experience too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know that people they know are going to read it and it's mm-hmm. like, you just don't want to put anything out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't need that additional heat as a parent. Does your daughter read your books? No, she's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it's really <laughs> funny because I have four uh-huh. and three are completely uninterested. Okay. And then I have one, child who really wanted to read it. And I kept putting it off because one of the girls I'm betting one of the girls, of course, my oldest Mm -hmm. daughter, who's a voracious reader. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, she probably, it it might be that she wanted to read it because the libraries are still closed. (laughs) Yeah. 
don't know how flattering it is. Like, I think yeah, she's I need that something. bored. Like, this yeah. is the only new book in the house. But I kept putting her off just because there's a chapter in there about divorce. And I think I was, okay. I think I was pretty, I, I think I was pretty chill, but I still uh-huh. was like, I don't know. And then yeah. I like went to her room the other night and she's like hid, hidden the book underneath <laughs> the pillow. She's read the whole thing. I'm like, okay. Well, now it's out. I know. That's, I mean, I think she'll read them. I think she's read, she's read part of Sparkly Green Earrings, which was my first one. And yeah. it's all about her. Yeah. Um, so that held her interest. And then I told her like a couple of years ago, because I have a book, Nobody's Cuter Than You, that's all about female friendships. And I she was kind of going one. through some friend stuff. And I said, yeah. maybe you ought to read. I said, this would be a good time. And she was like, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I, she's not interested in that. I also, when India was complaining about her lack of books, Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I have all these books. I'm like, come up to yeah. my room. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm trying to sell her on Jen Hatmaker's book. Yeah. Book. Like, I'm like, look at all, like, I have all these books that I think they're mm-hmm. really funny. I think you would like them. She was like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. not, not so much. She's like, does anyone fall in love in them? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You're like, no, there's, there's is no, is there a teenage love society in any of which I get, listen, that's, that's my genre right there. Give me a good love story. But, um, you're like, no, these are just books that may help you be a better person. I don't know, but heaven forbid, we don't want to do that. Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, as you are, you know, you're talking about this middle space and I, I feel that so much, like, what do you think is next for you? Like, what do you, you know, as, as you go like, okay, you know, my kid is launching Yeah. and As we all need, every mother has to do this. We have to figure out our, our identity outside of being mm-hmm. a mom. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, unless we've done our job very poorly, we'll yeah. be launching them. Yes. Yeah, they that's will, the goal. That's they the will goal. go on to live without us. Like what, yeah. you know, where do you feel like you're investing or you're, you know, putting your energy as you sort I mean, of walk? To me, I feel like it's been that I've really been mindful of, and if, if you've read anything I write, like I think because I have an only child and Mm -hmm. I had a real dysfunctional childhood. And so Mm -hmm. to me, it's like my home and my family and, and doing this has kind of been my priority. So I feel like I've turned down a lot of opportunities and a lot Mm -hmm. of things I could do in the name of, I don't want to miss soccer games right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't like being away from home right now. And so I kind of look at this time where I'm like, this is going to be the new chapter where I am going to be free to speak more and do more ministry stuff. And, um, you know, and to, and to write a book about, because I, I've thought so much about, there was this whole group of us that came up together that all wrote about the younger years. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it shed so much light on this is what it's like to have a toddler. And these are the things I'm wrestling with and all that. But I'm like, there's not a whole lot to me that's been written about the empty nester years. There's you know, what not. Is, there, there's not. And just yeah. the, to me as women, like, I think if we view that as like, this is a new beginning mm-hmm. and we're in a season of our life where a lot of times, all of a sudden now we have the financial resources to do more mm-hmm. and we have the freedom to do more, yeah. we're more settled and, and where can we use that impact? And so, yeah. um, you know, that to me is, I really, I want to do that well. Like I'm really figuring out ways that I can dial in, you know, in my community and my church and how to make a difference here at home, but also to be able to travel more and um, do more ministry and speaking and things like that, because I've got the time now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if, if we ever get past the pandemic, that's yeah. what I plan Once, to do. You know, in, in 10 years when all of this is over. You yeah. can leave your house. Yes, exactly. Then <laughs> that's, that's my plan. So what about you? I mean, I, I kind of feel the same way and I'm, I'm a ways away. I mean, my youngest is 11, mm-hmm. so I still, you know, but I, I do feel grateful that I've always, even, and, and I'm similar to you and I also had a dysfunctional childhood and have really tried to be intentional around being present. Um, I had a, I was a pastor's kid. My dad traveled Mm -hmm. a ton, a ton. And I grew up in that sort of, um, well, it's the Lord's work. So you can't be upset that he's gone Mm -hmm. or you're, or you hate Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I, I have tried, like, I mean, like you, I've, I've kind of, I don't know, honed in a little bit, but I'm really grateful. And I'm sure you feel the same way that I have always kind of had my own thing. Right. So yeah. I've always kind of had my own identity and I, I didn't, 
certainly didn't think it would be writing. I, mm-hmm. when I started having kids, I was a therapist. Yeah. I guess I just thought I'd be a therapist through, <laughs> yeah. throughout everything. Throughout everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I found, I don't know, like I found that to be really difficult when I had, when I was bringing, you know, Kembe home and I had four little kids mm-hmm. and everybody had like a lot of emotional needs. And I was like, I can't take care of these people and these people. Yeah. Um, but I feel glad that I have a, a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I would just, I would, I would give that encouragement to moms, like have a thing, yeah. even if it's a yeah. small thing, have a thing yeah. that's yours. Yeah. Yeah. I think that my best friend and I say that all the time. It's right? like my, our kids don't need us. There goes my light again. Um, like our kids don't need us focusing on them 24 seven. Like they it's don't. not good for them and it's not good for us because they don't. I start to neurotic and I worry about every little mm-hmm. thing and I'm trying to control every little thing. Totally. It's like, I think it's so good as a woman, like you've got to have that thing yeah. that I like, if you're a wife and a mom, that's great. And to me, that was, it's funny because like, that's all I ever wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like I was not this, I didn't have these grand ambitions of whatever. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I yeah. grew up. I mean, I was 40 when I finally wrote a book and was like, Oh, this yeah. turns out, this is what I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but I never had that thing. So it's, but you look and, and once that happens, you're like, but you still need that thing that's yours because to me, it reminds you of the girl that you've always been like, yes. what are your hopes and dreams and yeah. your feelings and your thoughts? And I just think it's so important to stay connected to that. Cause I think ultimately it makes your marriage better. I think yeah. it makes you a better mom. I think it's good for your kids. I mean, yes. I know you're like me with like with daughters. It's like, I want her to see like, this is what it's like to mm-hmm. pursue your dream and to do yep. something that means something to you. And yep. that's how, that's where you're going to be happy is like figuring mm-hmm. out what is that thing that God has for you and doing it, you know? Totally. Um, so. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you said that because I wrote about that in the book too, just that I think we do our, a disservice to our kids when we put this feeling on them that there are everything. Yeah. Because I think it's a lot of pressure for mm-hmm. one, because then you kind of feel like, well, I guess I'm emotionally caretaking for my mother. Yeah. Yeah. Only thing in life is me. Yeah. Um, but I also think that when our kids think that all we do is kind of lay in wait for them, like when, yes. they're, when we are their butlers, like, yes. what do you need? Do, yes. do, do you Here need I me am. to watch a cartwheel? Do you need yeah. me to, you know, I, I have no <laughs> things happening. I'm just waiting for you. Yeah. I just don't think that that serves well in teaching them empathy because I think empathy is understanding that the other people around you have their own thoughts and feelings, right? Yeah. And their own experiences. And so to me, a part of even building empathy is showing my kids like, I have needs too. Like, Mm -hmm. like right now, I'm not going to put the code in for your video game because I haven't eaten yet. And I'm going to pee. And those are my physical needs. Yes, yes, yes. And it's going to make them better people right. to learn that the revolve. Because I think that's part of the parenting balance is you want mm-hmm. to take care of them, but you also need them to know the world doesn't revolve around them. Yes. And it's like sometimes you have to wait. And yeah. this isn't about you right now. You yes. Know? So. Yes. Yeah. I totally think that's important. It's a good. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I had something happen with Caroline a couple of months ago and it was back when she was in school. And, you know, you, you don't, your kids never acknowledge that they think you're necessarily doing a good job or no. that they're paying attention to anything you do. But she had this interaction and she came home and she was just telling it at the dinner table, like a story, like she was like, oh, today. And she goes, I was in this class and this guy just made some comment to me and just said, well, your mom's just a basic soccer mom. He said, she just drives her car and has her part, you know, whatever. And was kind of whatever. And she goes, and I looked at him and I said, you don't know anything about my mom. My mom's a badass author. Like she travels around and she's worked her butt off. And I was like, oh, you don't know that you're validating me right now. <laughs> totally. Cause otherwise you probably wouldn't be doing it. But it was that thing of like, <laughs> you're all you that- noticed. <laughs> She never really, you know, like she'll be like, no. that's great, mom, that your new book came out today. But like there's, my totally. family is not a real big, they keep me real grounded, you know, like <laughs> yeah. they're like, and so it's, it was so validating in that moment of like, oh, she is paying attention. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think she's paying attention, but they are, they are, they they're are paying attention. Yeah, they are. Although yes, it, speaking of grounding, I have to tell you what my daughter said about, she read the the forward of my Uh book and Uh I wrote it to my kids in the midst of the sarcasm. I hope this reads as a love letter to the adventure of being your mom. It's been the best ride of my life. Uh My daughter read that and she goes deadpan, get a life mom. (laughs) (laughs) That was her response to me dedicating my first book to her. 
your heart and life. soul. And you're like, you're my whole heart and soul walking <laughs> around in human form. Like I just, yes. God. She's like, oh God, Get gross. I know. And you're like, <laughs> I know that's, I mean, Caroline, I think my new book is dedicated to she and Perry. And I don't think either one of them have even read the dedication. I don't think they even know. Like no. I really don't. And I'm like, I'm just going to kind of wait and see. <laughs> like, Totally. She said there was one night at dinner and this has been years ago, but we were sitting and she was talking about some friend of hers at school and that distantly she was related to the Wright brothers, you know, and this whole thing. And she was sitting there and she goes, are we related to anybody that's famous? And Perry like kind of pointed his fork at me. He goes, your mom. And she said, who are you related to that's famous? because I don't think I'm famous but it is that thing right. kind of like you you know she was like like she couldn't even fathom like well what has mom done that's anything and oh totally like, okay. all right well my kids are like so now that you've written a book are you going to be on like Jimmy Fallon and I was like well yeah. I don't think Jimmy Fallon has authors really on and I'm not a celebrity no. and then they were like well he's had um the you know the lady who wrote um Harry Potter and I'm yeah. like well yeah I will not be no. I will not be as famous as her no, and they were uh, just kind of like, oh. Yeah. Chances are there's not going to be like a Rage Against the Minivan theme park. I don't mean no. to burst your bubble, but mm -mm. that's that's the kind of the yeah. equivalent of, I always, I've told this story before, but when we, when my first book came out and it, my publisher called me like two weeks later and was like, congratulations, you hit the New York Times. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, I was like freaking out. Perry was out in the backyard and I went, I was like, oh my gosh, like it hit book hit the New York Times. And I mean, we were like celebrating and like popping champagne and it was this whole thing of like we are set and like two weeks later we got the actual sales numbers and I never will forget Perry looked at me he goes huh so not a lot of people read books and I was like <laughs> it's so true <laughs> I was like yeah pretty much I was like it was so like you picture like this he's like so it's steel. a real low bar <laughs> doesn't take much huh yeah. <laughs> before you don't know what that means like you're no like, well, it seems like, like a really big be... deal yeah and then you're like oh no this is not no not a lot of people read that's the whole and guess what even less people read now than read in 2012 so there's that they do. yes yeah. they Every do year. yeah thanks netflix thanks. uh thanks netflix and yeah. the pandemic and yeah, yeah. And Instagram. I think people read Instagram now. Yeah. I think that's much. their books. I mean, that's, I know. And listen, I'm guilty of it. I can't I even too. judge because I'm like, there's so many nights where I'm like, all I have the bandwidth for are Instagram I stories. Like it's I so can't, true. I can't do anything else, which yeah. I hate, but it's just, I guess oh. it's just where we are. The number of books I read in the pandemic is zero. Yeah, me too. Me zero. too. And I, I kept, was just so stressed. <laughs> Yeah. And I kept ordering them off of Me Amazon. Too. Like, I, like maybe Same. this will be the book that'll change it. Yeah. And now I've just got this stack of books totally. that I haven't read. So. Me too. Yeah. Maybe someday um, I'll read again. I know. Mm. But anyway, I mean, everyone should buy our books. You will. But... Yeah, for sure. If you're going to read a book, <laughs> one of ours is really where you should start. I mean, none of us read books anymore. LOL. But you should definitely buy ours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Worst marketing ever. I know. Yeah. Well, oh I, I mean, I don't know if there's anything more mortifying than marketing a book. I will say, uh, I mean, it's the worst. It's the it's worst. The, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. And you're in the same boat as me. It's like when mine started to come out, it was like right when all the coronavirus start was happening. Yep. And you're like, buy my book. It's called On the Bright Side. You're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> totally. And then now we're in the middle of just one of the greatest crises to me our country has ever known. Yeah you know, with the killing of George Floyd and the riots and everything oh, it's else, terrible. Like the whole world feels like it's on fire. Totally. And it does feel like, okay, would you like to buy my book? Right, I mean, buy like, my humor memoir. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes we need a distraction. Sometimes yes. it's good to come up for air because that yes. to me is what over the weekend I was like, by Sunday night, I was like, I've got to, I've got to unplug a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I've just, I've got to like, and not to be unaware and not to put my head in Obviously. the sand, but just to catch a breath, like just to catch a breath. Well, I mean the, yeah, I mean the, the act of unplugging indicates that you have been engaged yeah, and watching and, you know, yeah. in the first place, but yeah, yeah, we, I've, I've been experiencing some of the same stuff. Like, okay, I'm like, watch, I'm watching this all unfold to the point that my stomach is hurting. Yes. Like I'm actually feeling physically sick. Yes. yes. And yeah. And then if I'm not well for my kids, then That's I'm it. not, 
Yeah. And then yeah. you quit sleeping and then you're like, yeah. well, now everything's worse because now I'm oh. sleep deprived and I'm feeling all these things and yes. I don't know what to do with it. And, you know, on top of, I mean, it's like I told my daughter the other night, I said, it's like we had locked everybody up for, you know, two or three months. Mm -hmm. And I said, and then it's like, I said, essentially it's like we spilled gasoline and then we've yeah. lit a match on it. It's I said, cause everybody was so angry and frustrated anyway. Absolutely. And it's just, it's too much to process. So it's, it's like, so you've, much. you've still got to take care of yourself in the yeah. midst of all that. So yes, yeah, it's tough. It is tough. All right. Well, speaking of self-care, yes. what, what has been maybe two things that have been self-care saving graces for you recently? Mm. What are, I mean, anything, a candle, a book, a practice. Yeah. I think for me, my two biggest things, number one is we have two dogs. Um, mm -hmm. I write about them a lot in my books. They actually have their own children's book. Um, but taking them and we have these nature trails back behind our house. Mm -hmm. And I feel like during all of this, like, uh -huh. thank God that if a pandemic had to hit, it hit in the springtime when mm -hmm. the weather was nice in Texas because yes. I'm in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and so just being able to take the dogs and just mm -hmm. go on these long walks through the nature trails and just totally. get out and breathe yep. fresh air and feel yes. normal. And there were so many, like, it was so nice because there were so many neighbors that were out walking. Yeah. Um, you know, that even though everybody's social distancing and all that yeah. stuff, it was just that sense of community of yeah. we're all here. Totally. We're all going to get by. Yep. Like, um, so the that sun is was, still shining. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like there's, you know, it just, it, it just was a little sense of normalcy in the midst of something that felt so not normal. Yeah. Um, and that was a good place for me to get, kind of get out my stress and to pray and to yeah. just think. Um, so that's one thing. And then if I'm totally honest, I'm going to say vodka and Topo Chico <laughs> is the other, I mean, that's good. I, mean, I mean, I'm just going to say, yeah, when you're home all day, like I would look at the clock and I'd be like, ding, it's five o'clock. Like it's time. Totally. It's okay. Yeah. And just it, it, I needed something that felt, it was almost like I would, it was like celebratory to make yeah. it through another day. Yeah. I know sounds so, I get that. But like, it just felt like something that was a yeah, shift. A marker, like a little yes. marker of like, yes, yes. it's, it's, we're shifting the evening. Yes. And As so it became my, together. yes. And I, I learned the vodka and Topo Chico. It's always been a drink that I've liked, but to me, I was watching Real Housewives of New York, which is where I get so much of my knowledge. And one of them sure. mentioned that her doctor had told her it was just better to stay, stick to all clear alcohol yes. and not wine for the calorie count. And yes. so I felt like I was doing something good for myself, but I was I also mean, trying to do it in a healthy way. You were being healthy. That's exactly right. and I'm an emotional wellness coach. I have a private practice with clients across the states and abroad where I focus on trauma, attachment wounds, and the roles they play in how we show up in our lives today. I don't know about you, but I find self-care to be most elusive when it comes to my mental well-being, so I'm here to share in the journey of emotional self-care. This week, I'm responding to two questions as one, because the answer to one question is actually the way to accomplish the other conundrum. So the first question was about raising children to be inclusive in their friendships without getting sucked into feeling they have to be friends with everyone or tolerating friendships with kids who are actually abusive towards them. I love this so much because if we can teach our kids this, we're setting them up for much healthier friendships and relationships in adulthood. The second question was about how to manage people in our lives who have done things that were really hurtful, but we understand that their behavior is the result of adverse childhood experiences or trauma or things like that. Her dilemma was that she finds herself often wanting to cut them out of her life completely because when she doesn't, she struggles with how to be in relationship with them without risking or tolerating future bad behavior. So in other words, how can we find the both and of feeling compassion for someone, knowing if they knew better, they might do better, and also protect ourselves? So I'm going to start with the first question. Remember last week when we talked about self-compassion versus self-esteem? That. Okay, put a bookmark in that, and let's consider the second question. So we start here. Often, I'm going to cite Brene Brown, and I'm going to do that again today. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene tells a story, honestly, one of the funniest stories I've ever heard her tell, about a woman she shared a hotel room with, very much against her better judgment, when she was asked to speak at an event for a nonprofit a number of years ago. I won't go into all the details of the whole story here, but the part that matters is that Brene came out of the experience livid. She left the event early and upon returning to Houston, went straight to see her therapist. 
She told Diane the whole awful story of this awful, disgusting woman and how she felt taken advantage of by the nonprofit who forced her to share a room. She went on and on for quite some time, and when she was done, Diane asked, Do you think this woman was doing the best she could? Brene's immediate and incredulous response was a resounding, Hell no! Diane countered, Don't you think we're all just doing the best we can? She wasn't going to bend on this, so Brene, the researcher, left her office and immediately began polling people on this question. What the data showed was that people were polarized on the answer. Their answer was either, like Brene's, an adamant no, or a thoughtful, hmm, maybe, possibly, I think so. After several days of frustration, she took it to her husband, Steve. Now, Steve is a pediatrician. He's quiet, introverted, and very thoughtful about these types of things. She was actually surprised the amount of time he took to respond. And his response was this, You know, I don't know if they are or not, but when I assume people are doing the best they can, I'm a much more loving person towards them. I know, right? So, that sounds great. But the dilemma Brene had was, what about hurtful or otherwise difficult people? So she came up with a formula she calls living big, with big as an acronym for boundaries, integrity, and generosity. I've heard a lot of definitions for boundaries, but Brene's is my favorite by far. It's actually simple. A boundary is what's okay and what's not okay for me. I have no power over others. I can't set a boundary for you or anyone else. I can't force a boundary on anyone. But I am always very clear on what is acceptable to me and what's not. So the way big works is this. In order to set the boundaries I need that will allow me to stand firmly in the integrity required to have the difficult conversations around what's acceptable and unacceptable for me, I will choose to be generous in my assumptions of others that they're doing the best they can with whatever their capacity is in that moment. Now, this is not to say that on any other given day, they could possibly show up differently. The generous assumption is that they're doing the best they can today. So, if someone's best is harmful to you, then it might require you to have a truthful conversation about the boundaries you need. Brene realized she didn't want to say yes to having a roommate at this event, but because she was afraid she would be judged as, in her terms, too big for her britches, she relented. Then she resented everyone involved. And that's the thing about boundaries. When we don't practice the self-compassion we deserve to decide what's okay for us, we'll let others make those decisions for us. And because we don't value ourselves enough to stand our sacred ground, we find ourselves stuck in friendships that are one-sided or downright hurtful. In inner child work, we consider this abandonment of self. We'll send that little girl inside of us who figured out in childhood that the only way to keep the peace was to put others' needs before her own. We'll send her in as a representative of our adult self rather than stand in the security of our knowledge of our worthiness and fight for her. And the age-old pattern gets repeated. So how do we raise children who are inclusive? Yes, we're circling back to question one. We teach them the three elements of self-compassion. Self-kindness, which is loving ourselves. Common humanity, which is what connects us to ourselves and others. And mindfulness, which is our presence to our pain and suffering. Your child already has an inner critic. Didn't you at her age? If she could learn to accept her own humanness and be forgiving and accepting and loving towards herself, she'd have no need to treat another child differently. If she comes to understand that our connectedness to others is our humanity, that we are all doing the best we can, she's more likely to want to include others. If she's mindful of her own suffering and allows herself to acknowledge it and share it and move through it, then that will increase her understanding and empathy of others. And if she encounters a child, and if you encounter a person in your life whose best is just downright more than you can accept, then with the generous assumption that this person has pain she or you don't understand, but that you simply can't allow them to harm you further, you can compassionately communicate the boundaries necessary to keep this relationship from having to be thrown away. And it might just be that your compassion compels them to do better. And if not, you've learned how to keep yourself safe in that environment. And that may be that you'll find yourself having more and more and more difficult conversations, but you will get better and better at it the more you have. It takes practice. Oh, I think we're going to have so much to talk about on this topic. I'll see you over in our Selfie Podcast Community Facebook group. Hey, it 
it is time for a skincare question with Claire. Um, This question is from a listener and she is asking, can someone please explain hydrating mists to me? I've gotten a couple in beauty boxes, including the Josh Rosebrook one, but I just don't get it. When do you spray it on? Do you wait for it to air dry? Hi, everyone. Okay, let's talk hydrating mists. This is a hard one for me because I know a lot of people swear by them. But if I'm being honest, I kind of think they're fluff. I really do. Um, You know, I'm an esthetician. I went through all the schooling from Dermalogica. I was sold, you know, (laughs) the whole idea that they're, you know, like fixing the pH of our skin, allowing the products to absorb better. And, you know, maybe there is some truth to that. But I really, whether I use them or I don't, I really don't see a huge difference. I will say, however, during the hotter months or, you know, when we're going through some hormonal changes, they can be very, very refreshing, especially if you keep them in the fridge. But if you're going to be investing in better um, better skincare and you're really wanting those like wow products, I wouldn't be putting my money in a hydrating spray, toner, or mist. It's just, like I said, I, I think it's fluff. If you're so, like, sold on using them, best time to use it, this is the last step before your last product. So second to last. So I would do this probably right before your last serum or right before your moisturizer. However, I would not use a mist if you're including retinol into your uh, your routine in the evening. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at, at @selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.